Does everybody know what time it is? Time to make the kids lunch and load the dishwasher and put in a load of laundry. Oh, and did you pick up uh, the dry cleaning uh, yet? Um, Don't forget to pick up Randy uh, wait, after school. Uh, oh, Landon, the kids have football Landon, practice Landon, after tonight. Landon, it's grunt work. Juices like wine, I'm on the grunt, I'm after you. Because this is Grunt Work, the all-inclusive podcast about the TV series Home Improvement, and you thought I was going to start a new year by not doing the same dumb thing I was doing. I'm your host, Truman the Potato Man Caps, and with me, as always, is my fellow host, Landon the Stud Finder Man Solano. Oh, well, hey, uh, that's my new uh, grinder profile. <laughs> that, that's actually my existing grinder profile, so you're going to have to be like the Stud Finder Man 2 or something. Or, more likely, the Stud Finder Man 69. Uh. That's probably taken too. Stud Finder Man 71. Uh, you know, I would do like an XO star, uh, Stud Finder 69 XO. Oh, do uh, it on either side, kind of bracket. Yeah. Exactly. I find that whenever I see anyone on any dating site who has put uh, kind of kind of uh, symmetrical brackets on either yeah. side of their name, that's when I know that that's really Doctor Love right there. <laughs> Palindromic is that a word? Uh, I, I maybe it is. No, that that would also be actually a good name on Grinder. <laughs> I'll do you backwards and forwards, baby, and it'll be the exact same way both times. <laughs> Mediocre. <laughs> Hey, man, consistency is important, Hey, you though. know what? That throws people off. Oh, man. True, and how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a new year. It's a new me. It is. But it's mainly, it's the same me. Consistency <laughs> is important. Uh, how about yourself? How's your, how's 2018 treating you? Uh, 2018 is treating me well. Uh, the end of 2017 kind of uh, sucked me into the black void where all the transitions go. <laughs> oh, no. You had to, <laughs> and you had to battle the, the home improvement logo and all of his little did. minions to get out. It was a whole D&D quest that we did uh wow but, uh, lucky bastard that yeah, sounds great those are all the rage now on podcasts <laughs> and i'll tell you what that little home improvement logo it's neither benevolent or malevolent he's just a little trickster he, he he's you, a, you can't trust him but he's not necessarily malicious <laughs> he's he's an absolute neutral he's at the center of the character alignment chart <laughs> uh chaotic neutral is that what we call him uh no it is it chaotic neutral? No, I think chaotic neutral is the furthest to the right. I think mm. I think it's just absolute. You know what? I should know this, and I don't. I'll do some <laughs> more research, and I'll come back All to right. you. Uh, um, but anyhow, so the end of 2017. Um, you know, we, we record these uh, a little bit in advance, so uh, my Christmas didn't actually happen uh, yet, even though. <laughs> Wait. It's that Grinch. He stole it, didn't he? He stole my Christmas. You, you know, didn't you get the notice that your landlord put up that the Grinch has been seen scoping out people's front steps for their Amazon deliveries? <laughs> uh, I haven't, but I've had a few stolen, so uh, I'm going to oh. get that Grinch one of these days. That, well, that's exactly what they did in the story. But, but so how did your Christmas yeah. come to be stolen? Well, I ended up getting the flu uh, the day that I was supposed to leave for my holiday trip uh, and ended up spending Christmas alone here in Los Angeles. Um, I say alone, but, uh, what I did have a companion. Did you now? Yes. I, um, have a friend's, uh, login information. Maybe I shouldn't admit that to, uh, wait, am, am I the friend? No, no, and you're not. Log into what? <laughs> the WWE network, uh, the app on, uh, my <laughs> Apple TV. Okay. Uh, so I decided while I was uh, bedridden and sick from the flu to, um, relive some, some past memories of the WWE then known as the WWF. Yeah. Uh, I happened to put on Royal Rumble 95. <laughs> I, I I wish that I had context for why this was a big thing. I can pretend that I well. Can, oh shit! Not ninety five in the history of WWF WWE. 
not that big of a uh, deal, but uh, there was a very special guest on uh, that pay-per-view event. Oh. Uh, a one Miss Pamela Anderson. Really? <laughs> Wait, are we in... Did we start in Pam's Corner? Did we not even open the door? Did we crawl in through uh, the vent? We haven't. I have another Pam's Corner later, so... Th- this is a this is a pointy-edged episode with so many Pam's Corners. <laughs> uh, so she was what? She was presenting? She was... Okay, so um, the deal was that she would... Uh, Whoever the winner of a bout was between Shawn Michaels and Diesel, um, she would accompany to the ringside during WrestleMania uh, 11. Um, oh. So she was there to be in attendance to watch for who the winner would be of this bout between the two of them for the heavyweight champion. Um, and, you know, throughout the whole pay-per-view event, there's these interstitials where the commentator, uh, uh, Ted uh, Pettengill, mm-hmm. um, very young, he's... A, he he was he i just have to comment on his dress his attire for a minute he has like that oil baron wealth look to him you know right, like a colonel sanders suit and like a kind of yeah like a black tuxedo but it had like the the um the bolo tie the bolo tie oh man hat and then like a uh a dream catcher earring um that that's that's it clashing was... <laughs> a lot of different styles and cultures there. <laughs> it was. And the whole, like, interstitial skits that they did with him uh, trying to interview her was played for, like, stalkery purposes. It was very bizarre. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... And it just made me realize, like, Pam, you know, you you don't get you don't get uh, your respect wherever you go. She, you know, sooner or later we're going to dig up some, some like, gender-bending uh, production of Othello that she starred in <laughs> at the Old Vic or something in the late 90s. And that will redeem her career in our eyes. You know, just just to go off of your mention of the bolo tie, I think that is the universal signifier of this is the bad guy in the movie. <laughs> yes. like, I don't think the hero in any movie has ever put on a bolo tie. It's always either a bad guy or a henchman or just kind of a neutral guy in the background who's an asshole. <laughs> He's the silent guy at the end of the table uh, during, like, a Bond villain's uh, speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just, he's sitting there kind of touching his chin and nodding very slowly. <laughs> Smoking a stogie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, they've assembled all of the evil tycoons for their <laughs> evil plan, and this is the evil tycoon representing the Texas oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. He's, like, right next to the, uh, you know, the Russian guy with the fez, and then the... Uh, the Japanese businessman, the, the Japanese. aged Japanese businessman. <laughs> man because we're, we're we're relitigating those 80s economic anxieties and those 80s uh economic racial stereotypes most likely that too uh landon yeah this week on home improvement <laughs> we watched an episode of it we did yeah. we did i feel like we, we start a lot of our podcasts kind of being coy about the fact that we watched an episode <laughs> of the show guess what guys we watched another one <laughs> guess what new viewers this is a thing we do a lot it's not original I've got, even though it's not the technically the first synopsis of the new year since uh, last week's episode uh, was recorded in 2017, it debuted in 2018. So this is the first written synopsis I have of 2018. Oh man, this is exciting. This is okay. <laughs> now, if I don't want to put too much pressure, but if yeah. you screw this up, no, oh, I'm going to screw it up. Oh, okay. So I'm when calling you screw it now. Up, it's the Dale Carnegie uh, method, right? You <laughs> you acknowledge your faults so that people can't use them against you. How to win friends and influence synopses. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the synopsis that I've got for you. Uh, Jill returns home from work uh, glowing because she is not... Pregnant. Only- <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> she's not only been given more responsibility at her job at the magazine, uh, she's been put on the assignment to do the cover 
Uh, what she actually does at this magazine is still pretty unclear to she me. She researches? But, uh, this means, though, that uh, she will have less time for household responsibilities and that Tim will have to pick up the slack. In an effort to ensure that everything runs smoothly, uh, Jill uh, leaves incredibly specific instructions. Uh, one might say micromanage instructions, but... It's it's micromanagement, but meta-messaging. <laughs> uh uh, for Tim to follow those instructions, obviously. Um, feeling constrained, untrusted, and hapless, Tim asserts that he will do things his own way. Classic uh, Tim. <laughs> as he does to... Um, oh, and he does to Jill Sturgeon. There you go. There's my fuck up for you. Yeah, that, <laughs> hey, man, we called it. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Andrew Carnegie. <laughs> um, Carnegie Deli. Tim amps up the dryer, which goes berserk, sets a gingerbread house on fire, and <gasps> instead of giving the kids... Lunches pre-packed, he gives them lunch money. What a neglectful, neglectful <laughs> sin. Never once in my childhood did such a thing happen. <laughs> uh, Jill decides it's uh, it might be a bit too much to work and uh, fix all of Tim's mistakes, but really she just needs to get a prescription from Dr. Feelgood and take a chill pill. <laughs> or a Jill pill. <laughs> oh, man. I Actually, taking a Jill pill would just make her double Jill. So yeah, a chill pill is what she needs. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's what we got for this week. You know, Jill's career is really taken off. We see a lot of continuity in this episode to in things season, that happened yeah. before. Right? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. just in this episode it, alone and also yeah, true. the season? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, which we're assuming is still uh, the magazine inside Detroit. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. I and and her the thing she's researching this week is compost. Yes, I mean we're so dubious about what her job is at the newspaper, but yeah. I guess I mean we're researching for us. I mean researching is nothing. That's just googling stuff. So maybe <laughs> maybe just the fact that yeah, this she's, is pre-internet days for her. Yeah, she's just she's going to the library and looking things up. And <laughs> she's working that Dewey Decimal system and the <laughs> microfiche. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, her whole her whole job is just that montage in Silence of the Lambs where uh, where Jodie Foster is <laughs> at the library looking through the old uh, photo negative articles. Oh my god, do you think by the end of the season or at the end of the series that uh, Jill's research will have like uh, those green DOS lines going across her face uh, <laughs> and like hackers or and she's like chewing on the end of a pen as she does it? Yeah, it's yeah, chugging Mountain Dew, and yeah, or it's either that, or she's like the kid in Terminator Two hacking the ATM machines, going like pin number, pin number, pin number. Yes, I am in. <laughs> Butterfingers for life. <laughs> well, yeah, just take it and go to the arcade. <laughs> yeah, I, how does it make you feel now that Mom's going to work? I love the idea of Jill pursuing this career. I have reservations about how the writers are going about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um it's you know let's just do let's go into the deep dive yeah, yeah, yeah. this is going to come out naturally because there's a yeah. lot of i have jill issues you have jill issues. i have jill issues oh man and i don't feel good about it i well hey you, you, we need to talk through these things you know freud yes. said that really all of your issues can be tied to your relationship to jill on home improvement <laughs> I think I think many of us, when we're brought up, you know, there's we have these unhealthy feelings and thoughts that we can't talk through because yes. they're morally taboo. And she is America's mom. She is. Um, she's America's current top mom. And the reason <laughs> that there's not a show to find a new one is we don't need a new one. She cannot be replaced. Uh, is that also hosted by Tyra Banks? Well, she yeah. Well, she she is in the running to be America's next top mom, but she has to wait for for Jill to die first. There, that's grim. Yeah. Uh, also, just a quick note. 
uh, you're not the only one who had uh, the flu over the holidays. Because according to Patricia Richardson's Twitter account, she also had the flu uh, oh. on Christmas Eve. Uh, so Share a little something in common with d- you. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. there's your in if you ever meet her. You heard my grinder password earlier. Password? <laughs> nope. I don't think that didn't work on many levels. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, well, when you start the show by saying you're gonna fuck up, this is the sort of thing that you set into motion. Okay. Oh God. So we we start the episode. Yeah, our cold open on the set of Tool Time uh, with the Home Improvement logo drifting like the Goodyear blimp uh, behind uh, Tim as he <laughs> sets up uh, a fake wall to explain how to find studs. And can you uh, justify the use of a blimp? In this episode or this scene, justify the use of a blimp. Why a blimp? Why a blimp? Because it's been a good year. No, mm. uh, no, a blimp in this scene. St- uh, they make a lot of jokes about studs. I, feel- I don't have a justification. I'm just asking if you have one because it makes no sense. It looks the the way in which it drifts is blimpish. But I should clarify, it's not like shaped like a blimp because that is the sort of thing home improvement <laughs> would do. Uh, no, I think that the reason for this is it was the simplest way that they could do it with whatever budget they had Fair. for the Home Improvement logo. <laughs> and that the budget specifically just for the Home Improvement logo is going to inflate over oh. the coming seasons. No, the Home Improvement logo is going to be getting paid more than Tim Allen by the end of this thing. <laughs> it has its own trailer. Just, just all the mainframes are in. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and so in this cold open... Uh, Tim and Al are working on uh, household life hacks, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, house hacks. House hacks. Tim is uh, using an electric shaver to find a stud in the drywall. Yeah, and and it's it's Al's razor, which Al makes a point of saying that his mother gave to him. <laughs> My mother gave that to me. Exactly. What hasn't Al's mother given him? <laughs> is there a single thing he has that uh, was not hers? Life, because he was adopted. <laughs> Wow, a dark twist to this season. <laughs> that is not canon, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. But everything else we say on here is. Uh, of course, also, Al should learn from his mistakes. Never never admit that your mom gave you something, because that just opens the door for Tim to make a joke about it. Indeed, yes. And, um, and joke he does. <laughs> this, I don't know what it was, but this episode really um, imprinted itself on me as a kid. Uh, really? I definitely used this electric shaver method uh, when hanging pictures in my uh, bedroom, I guess, as a kid. Yeah. Um, trying to find, you know, a stud in the wall using my very first electric shaver. D- does it actually work? I don't remember. I haven't done it in 25 years, so... Okay, okay. So, jury's still out on whether that piece of home improvement advice actually works. <laughs> I, I was complaining uh, literally yesterday... Uh, to someone, because uh, I was trying to hang a new picture in my room, and she was saying, oh, you should you should find a stud. And I'm like, well, how do I find a stud? And she says, well, you use a stud finder. And it's like, well, I don't have one of... Th- Why would I <laughs> what, have you that? you me to be a man? Well, I mean, it's, it seems like for every single household task, it's like, oh, this is easy. Just go spend $40 on a thing. <laughs> right. And, and so, and... Uh, so I just hung my picture without a stud, and it will probably fall down and kill me in one way or another. <laughs> but I was I was sitting there fretting, and well, not fretting. I was grousing because I wanted to find a way I could MacGyver a uh, a stud finder, and mm. I didn't know that this could potentially be a thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, nowadays I just use my knuckle uh, and you know do like a little safe cracking uh, <laughs> ordeal. I, you know, put my ear against There's the wall, a stethoscope and, up there, yeah, and... exactly. Um, and I just uh, I knock on the wall until it you know the, the deeper the noise, 
the more hollow the space behind it is. So he he this is this is what Tim brings to the table is here's yeah. how you use a razor to find a stud. Then Al shows how to use a potato to remove a broken light bulb from a lamp. Yeah. Now I have questions about this uh, the sequence here. Yeah. Uh, because there's a broken light bulb inside of a lamp. Um, first of all, what scenario does a light bulb break inside of a lamp where the lamp doesn't also break? Yeah. <laughs> and in that situation, I get it. Like, okay, jagged glass on the light bulb. Yeah. But every light bulb has a metal part that you can touch safely below sure, that. Right, yeah. And so um, Al goes, you know, before you try this, you have to dot, dot, dot. And he, you know, takes a step away from it. And Tim goes, plug the potato right into the bulb and then gets electrocuted. <laughs> and Al goes, you got to unplug it first. <laughs> Uh, to which I say, if you have a broken lamp that you're demonstrating how to take a light bulb out of, why is it still plugged in? You would have brought a broken lamp to set to plug in just to unplug it. We call that entrapment. That's <laughs> that's that's Al knows. Like Al is it, whether that's smart whether it's whether it's secret Algent man <laughs> at work or whether this is just Al. You know, he's finally fed up with all of Tim's slings and arrows. Oh, yeah, he. it's like he knows that he's going to just set up this great situation and create a series of events in which Tim shocks himself. I like this narrative that uh, it's like in Al's secret agent story in his movie. Uh, <laughs> we're in the second act of like the, the fun and games portion. Yeah. <laughs> and Al is using his, uh, you know, highly trained uh, skills to kill people uh, just to get a little bit of uh, payback for <laughs> against Tim. It's like it's like a, a James Bond movie, but the entire movie is just James Bond trying to dick over his, his co-workers in passive-aggressive <laughs> ways and it's, using all his spy skills. You know what? It's, it's more like uh, James Bond going down to the lab and having Q be really annoyed with <laughs> James Bond and Q just having a field day by setting him up after one... Uh, uh, one thing after another. When I was a kid, uh, the Q portion of every James Bond movie was my favorite part. Of so course. if you if you pitched me a James Bond movie at that age, if I you know Truman Caps the the eight year old movie <laughs> executive. If you pitched me the movie where James Bond just spends the whole time hanging out with Q and just kind of dicking around with stuff <laughs> and Q getting pissed at him. I would give that two thumbs up way up. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I'm going to use my time machine and go back and get uh, financing from eight-year-old Truman. Okay, well, you have to first use your time machine to go back in time and make me like the boy king of Hollywood. <laughs> like one of, one of those like Chinese emperors or whatever who, who was, you know, 10 years old sure. and assumes the throne. Or more, you know, or King Joffrey, whatever. <laughs> uh, but then after that, yeah, I would totally, you know, I really feel good about this project. I'd like you to do a few treatments of it All first right. for no pay uh, at great personal, you know, a lot of... You invest a lot of time in it, but I won't put any skin in the game. Fair. So, yeah. And then we'll That's see. like my sex life. Um, grinder man. <laughs> After Tim gets electrocuted, we get a curly fry transition, um, which I want to I want to bring up the transition debate here. Yeah, yeah, bring um, it up. Is it a debate, really? Who's on well, what side? Well, I mean, I'm still neutral on on the transitions. Okay. I know that they have chipped away your soul. Chaotic neutral. Um, I I want to I want to defend the transitions a little bit. Okay, I, this one didn't give me as many vapors as before. Even though I, it was most full of, of most of the transitions this season, there have been a few. The weeds one from last week was a little, well, yeah. but um, they they feel like they've learned their lesson a little bit. I know I keep saying that, and then it keeps proving me wrong. Yeah, but yeah. they they've really been fast. They're not intrusive. 
They've been, okay, I will give you this. They've been fast and they have not been intrusive. I have said two or three times, oh yeah, I think they finally figured it out with the, with the, <laughs> I, I guarantee you the next damn episode we watch, it's going to be transitions coming out of transitions. Yeah. Butts. I mean, <laughs> they're it, all going to just spill out of that oil drum <laughs> in the background. Yeah. That, that Lisa will knock it over by accident, like Pandora's <laughs> box. And the whole episode is just them battling transitions. <laughs> oh my God. We haven't seen Pamela Anderson. Um, but twice this season? Once I, or twice, maybe? I th- we see her at the very beginning in that sort of, in, in Tim Allen's serial killer manifesto regarding the amount <laughs> That's of grunting right, yeah. he's going to do. Um, and then, I th- was she in one other episode? Maybe? I don't know. I, I My memory's not that great, but it's going to be jarring to see her again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, because at this point, we are basically halfway, right? Uh, the next episode will be halfway through. Uh, I think there are 26 episodes this season. Oh, man, actually, even so, more? Okay. Um, well, we're, we're almost halfway. You know, maybe they make up... Maybe the second half is very Pam-heavy. Maybe, maybe... The reason she leaves the show, maybe there's a whole storyline about her, like, meeting some nice guy, <laughs> and they're, like, dating throughout several episodes, and things are going really well, but then he gets killed by terrorists, and she has to go to the Middle East to try and get revenge, and it becomes Homeland, <laughs> which, that's how they write her off, yeah. is, is into that. <laughs> and then tie it in with Al's story. Yes. Um, and then spin it back into Baywatch. <laughs> well, I thought, uh, let's go into a little Pam's Corner. Oh, let's, absolutely. <laughs> Oh hey, look! There's no there's no squeaking noise. Eddie, you put a lubricant on the I door. Know. Finally, new year, new door. <laughs> How will you know you're in Pam's corner because of the facts? Uh, and for those of you who can't see Truman, which is all of you, um, he opened he pantomimed opening the door, uh, and it just didn't make a noise. It was it's well oiled. It was some really good physical comedy, real solid slapstick, <laughs> mimey type stuff. Um, okay, so I just pulled this, uh, we'll see how this plays, but, um... That's a good way to preface any fact. I just pulled this! (laughs) We'll see what you think of it. (laughs) Might be true. Well, I'm I'm gonna assume that it is true, um, because it's an open letter. (laughs) Okay, That she wrote, uh, in Playboy magazine to President Obama, uh, in favor of legalizing cannabis. Ooh! And I chose this because we are in Los Angeles, and it is 2018, and they have just, uh, legalized... Uh, the leaf here. Oh yes, yes, yes. The the old devil's uh, the old devil's lettuce. <laughs> um, and I thought that those she she is a pro medical marijuana use. Uh, this is just a snippet from the letter that she wrote. Um, quote: This is obviously written uh, from a Canadian or European <laughs> thing. Because uh, do, do it do it in the accent. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it has the words are spelled with S's rather than uh, Z's and C's. But you're writing to the president of America, Pamela Anderson. It, Why don't you use our fucking it, grammar? It was How translated uh, by whoever I pulled this from. Wait, translated is, from Canadian English you know what, to American I English? I really need Jill to help me do my research here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyhow, okay, this is the Have the Patricia snippet. Richardson Google things for you. <laughs> uh, okay, quote, I think we should legalize marijuana tax and monitor uh, dash farm hemp etc this would uh, make our borders less corrupt and then i think eventually this will be a more secure option and save children in the long run we should be able to uh farm hemp in america it's just silly it would create jobs and be good for the environment okay you know those those sound like some pretty cogent policy analysis from uh, from pamela anderson yeah but what, what did obama write an open letter back also in playboy <laughs> Uh, I wish. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, but this is, I think, uh, coming off of she's a, a big uh, advocate for um, AIDS charities and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, it's coming off of a, a medical um, spin 
Okay, okay. I found, uh, in my experience, I have, and people who know me will attest that I have the slightest, just passing, occasional, slight affinity for marijuana. And I have found <laughs> that uh, people who are who are really big advocates for medical marijuana tend to also be pretty friendly to the recreational marijuana <laughs> situation as well. It's not an, there's, the Venn diagram is uh, pretty much just overlap. I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to diminish the medical value of marijuana, yeah. which is which is ample and considerable and should be there. I'm just also. I, I've met very few people who are like, we need to have medical marijuana, but do not let it be recreational. <laughs> it is not okay. It is not a toy. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, good for Pamela Anderson making the most of her uh, kind of post Baywatch uh, platform to yeah. advocate for good things. I think so. I I just I hope that that isn't. I hope that Obama, like, wasn't on the verge of making it legal, and then he saw that letter and he was like, oh, well, now they're going to think it's her idea. That's not what Obama sounds like. I'm not even going to try to yep. do it. Yeah. Uh, you know what I like about marijuana? <laughs> I'm President Andy Rooney. Oh, man. You didn't think the president could be any more controversial. Well, look at this. I have a lot of opinions about things. Oh, that needs to be a Futurama episode. <laughs> <laughs> what Nixon gets replaced by Robo Rooney? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, uh, okay, that was in you know that did we did we just hotbox Pam's corner? Is that the thing <laughs> yeah, <now? laughs> exactly? Okay. Got a little contact high, and now uh, now we're moving on to the show. All right. Well, now I'm just gonna spray like an entire can of Glade air freshener and open <laughs> all the windows and hope my dad doesn't get home from work until it's all aired out. Awesome. I'm gonna put on my sunglasses, and here we go. Oh, you should close the door. I forgot yeah. that it's it's oiled. You and, can't hear it close anymore. Yeah, and people can't see your eyes, so it doesn't matter. You know, just just blaze <laughs> on up, dude. Oh, fair. Um, and just like getting a contact high, um, we've lost track of time. So now in hour two, let's get into <laughs> what happens in this episode. First, I'm so so hungry. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, actually, we were talking about curly fries, which also are a thing that happen uh, occasionally. Yeah. Um, when there is marijuana. Uh, I will, the, the one other thing I'll say about this transition, it honestly didn't bother me that much just because it made me think about French fries. Yeah. So that's, oh, there you go. that's the way to my heart. Um, so when, when we come back from the opening credits yeah. where, where <clears throat> once again, uh, Brad looks right into the camera. <laughs> right, right into your soul. It, right into your soul specifically. Yeah. I'm usually like looking somewhere else cause I can't face, I can't look him in the eye. <laughs> you can't. Uh, you, you, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> My face is melting on the couch, and you're telling uh, Karen Allen to keep her eyes closed. Yeah, and it's, why, why do you always tie us both to that post? <laughs> and why do you keep looking at it? Your face melts every time. <laughs> because I know once we get wrapped up into the void, uh, wrapped up into the blueprint and drop into the void, that we'll just come back next week and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, we just repeat the same hell over and over again. It's a Sisyphan ordeal. <laughs> We're pulling. We're pulling a lot of references. Raiders and Greek mythology, and that's about it. So we we start the show with an with an oddly uh, high budget pan like over the the counter cluttered with coloring books and stuff, and over a sink full of dishes yes. to Tim and Mark coming back in where they lament the fact that there are no clean dishes. Uh, yeah, they just came back from playing ping pong, and I want to know where are they keeping a ping pong table on this house because <laughs> it certainly isn't in the basement, or at least. Uh, not in what we've seen of the basement. And yeah, you're right. Tim doesn't want to do the dishes and it is piling over. So he decides um, to be a man about it and drink his coffee out of a uh, cow creamer dish. It's a, it's like a, cr the, you know, it's a the gravy cow boat. Yeah. A creamer boat. It, it, is that a thing? That doesn't sound right. Man, you, you're the one who drinks coffee. You should know this. It's the <laughs> I drink it out of a mug like a real person. <laughs> 
But what do you pour your creamer out of? Uh, I take it black like a man. Oh, man. Uh, you like your you like your coffee like you like your Tinder matchups strong. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I said Tinder, not Grinder. Damn, yeah. we're all fucking up our well, jokes. <laughs> Welcome to 2018, New Year, worse us. Uh, he's he's he he pours the coffee into the creamer yeah. thing. What I want to know is if there was any creamer in there in the first place. <laughs> so he's basically making coffee milk. Yeah, well, and he does say as much to Jill when she. <laughs> Questions about it. So it's really sight gag first, taste second. <laughs> uh, so Tim is in the middle of this disgusting ordeal when Jill gets home from work at Inside Magazine. Yeah. Uh, she's been, she reveals that she's been working there for a month now and is so excited that they're going to keep her on for another week. Yeah, because she mentioned when she first got the job that it's a temporary thing yeah. and that... Remember if, uh, in that episode, she says, I got one week uh, working at in this, uh, <laughs> inside Detroit. Yeah. Um, so now she's on her fifth week. So good for her. Yeah, I know. I'm just wondering when are they like when are these guys going to put a ring on it? I mean, <laughs> I, I like I know that now the gig economy is a yeah. big thing, but this feels a lot like like what is this kind of week by week? Maybe <laughs> we'll have you back. She's not a production assistant in yeah. Hollywood. You know, maybe inside Detroit is just a corrupt uh, business trying to exploit labor as much as they can. Or maybe or maybe inside Detroit is is such a pressure cooker environment. Really, the <laughs> highest heights of journalism. It goes it goes like the Atlantic. The New Yorker and then Inside Detroit Magazine. And it's just, <laughs> you have to be fighting for your position Maybe. there every day because there's so many young, hungry researchers. Yeah, because uh, one thing I do want to mention before we get into Jill's uh, whirling dervishiness. Oh, man, keep bringing it back. It's good. <laughs> Sooner or later, we'll figure out what it means. Yeah. Um, Mark looks like he has grown about 10 inches. So it's not just me. It the wasn't kid, just you. There was a hiatus or something here. He grew, man. Y- yeah. Well, I mean, he's been in the background of a lot of the episodes this season, um, with the exception of, like, one or two shots uh, with Randy wanting to catapult him. Um, <laughs> but he's certainly, like, been in the background. So I have to imagine he's been growing this entire time. What One would expect... That is kind of what happens with children, <laughs> I have, so I've been told. It doesn't I, happen with Bart Simpson. I, no, it doesn't. And Bobby Hill also manages <laughs> to stay the same age for those 11 years i think uh i don't know if it's happening yet but i think that they're going to run into the same problem that the harry potter movies did is that puberty is going to hit these kids like a sledgehammer (laughs) and they're going to be there's going to be like in the the space of an episode voices are going to be changing and they're going to have to be reshooting lines and stuff i can't wait till lines changes i i know man we're we're both going to sound like barry white once those (laughs) once those testicles finally drop it's exactly what you want to hear welcome new listeners (laughs) So Jill and Tim talk, she shares about her excitement from her day mm-hmm. and then sees that the sink is full of dishes and gets after Tim for neglecting the housework. Yeah, and that he's going to have to start picking up the slack if she's going to continue to work like this. Yeah, and she also has the great line, uh, just by way of a criticism of Tim, you're sucking coffee out of a cow. <laughs> uh but uh so yeah she's she's explaining she's going to be so busy, she has to do all this research on compost, the big the big thing that <laughs> industrial compost specifically oh industrial compost yeah. i will say i remember in the 90s when my family started composting <laughs> uh and it was a pretty big deal we got a heap out back nice no one did any research and told me about what it meant though so i still don't know <laughs> why that was significant yeah should have had a subscription to inside detroit yeah, yeah we we could only, we could keep either the New York Review of Books or Inside Detroit, and we had to cancel Inside Detroit, and I think culturally we suffered as a result. <laughs> so, she, yeah, she is explaining, I have all this work I have to do. Uh, Tim, you need to pick up the slack on the housework. Here's a list of things that need to be done and exactly how you should do them as yeah. dictated by me. 
And uh, Tim is, you know, initially kind of accepting all of the responsibilities. Like, okay, I got it. Yep, it's good. I got this. Don't yeah. worry about it. Uh, you know, she's the the laundry list, uh, laundry instructions, dry cleaning, the uh, uh, grocery list, uh, make the kids food, that sort of stuff. And yeah. you know, he he's he feels like he's on top of it. He tries to assure her, yes, at least. But that doesn't quite wind up happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, he you know, there's there's a scene where the boys need to have their football clothes washed before practice in 15 minutes, yes. and. Tim's response to that is to take the dusty, muddy clothes and bang them against the dryer. Well, which is like, you know, they're football clothes. They're just going to get muddy again. The mud is already dried on the clothes. I think for the circumstances that they were under, them having to leave in 15 minutes, perfectly acceptable. There's no other solution. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to put them in the washer for 10 minutes and then give them to the boys wet and send them out into Michigan winter to go (laughs) practice football? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, so... Tim is Tim is kind of taking his his rough hewn approach to mm-hmm. uh, rough hewn approach whatever his rough <laughs> approach to household domestic tasks and uh, and this does not uh, go over well with Jill. There's a tension there, and we find this out in the next scene. But the way we get to that scene is the scene with the washing machines. <laughs> turns into a football and flies backwards down the z-axis into the next scene <laughs> and then tucks itself onto one of the chairs in the background where it becomes the Binford sports ball, I do believe. Ooh, okay. Well, it wasn't, the transition itself wasn't the Binford sports ball? I'm pretty sure what, well, it just, well, it looks like a football, okay. so I just assumed it was the Binford sports ball. Got it. Well, it, I mean, if it's the football in the house, it's, it's gotta be. If it, if it looks like a Binford sports ball and it quacks like a Binford sports <laughs> ball, it's a Binford sports ball. I'm into it. Uh, but no, and I will say, this transition did not upset me too much. It was very elegant and, and classy and swiftly executed, so I give it a solid B plus oh wow yeah it's uh it's it's pretty generous of you well thank you you know a new year new me (laughs) i can't wait to see what other surprises we've got that's about the extent of it i'm (laughs) not changing much um okay so this next scene it's the next day next morning and uh tim is kind of trying to assume the responsibilities already but the kids are already kind of late for school he hasn't made their lunches yet um jill comes down and sees that uh the you know he's loading the dishwasher before he has made them lunch and then the the The, school bus honks this Uh, honking school bus so generous this bus driver who cares so much that every single child is on board but also a little irresponsible to uh the school schedule if you were being honest like you can't stop and honk for every single kid if they're not they have a responsibility to be out at the bus stop if they're not fuck them is the is the bus (laughs) driver I wish you were a you were a bus driver for the first thing. <laughs> Secondly, uh, I think that Rain Man is the bus driver that he just has in his mind this perfect like list of every kid and where they should be, and it's like <laughs> yeah. de- definitely, definitely waiting for the tailors. Definitely well, got a honk so the tailors aren't late. Then he's gonna have a rough day because Mark is uh, not out there. No, no. <laughs> D- Jill has to give Mark a ride to school. Well. So in the rush to get Randy and Brad out the door, uh, Tim, when he realizes he's forgotten to make them lunch, he's giving them two bucks a piece uh, to buy lunch at school. Yeah. And uh, then Randy says, oh, can you give me two bucks for Mark? He's waiting outside. And <laughs> Tim, a grown man who knows his boy is Satan, uh, <laughs> just just hands him two bucks. Oh, sure, son. Why not? Just make sure he gets his, what Jill says. Yeah. It's, and then Randy says, hey, Dad, I've also got some Bitcoin I want you to invest in. <laughs> oh, and hey, here's this Rolex. I'll mail you the warranty later. 
By the way, I'm from Nigeria. Scam joke, scam joke, scam joke, etc. He's getting the sociopathic tendencies out early here. Yeah, I know. He's well, just honing them on his uh, parents. Yeah, well, that, you got to sharpen those skills. He's warming up in the morning <laughs> before he gets to school to inflict real pain on the other kids. Yeah, right. Uh, so the the boys go out the door with their cumulative six dollars, and then a moment later, Mark comes downstairs, going like, "Hey, Dad, can I have some lunch money or whatever?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jill has to take him to school because he's right. missed the bus at this point. Uh, yes, and uh, he also expresses that uh, he wants to build the gingerbread house for the PTA sa- uh, bake sale. Oh yeah, um, to Jill yeah. Uh, before they leave, you know. And Jill's well, like, "Oh well, I don't think uh, we're going to be able to do that this year. I'm so sorry. We'll have to we'll have to end up buying one." Yeah, instead. And Tim's like, "Nope, I got this." And so the idea here is is that the, the PTA like PTA members build gingerbread houses and then people bid on them and buy them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that an actual thing people like? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, yeah, we did that back in uh, I think my elementary days. And then you just eat the gingerbread house. Um, well, we never did it with gingerbread houses. It was just a kind of catch-all bake sale. Okay. Um, I have never eaten a gingerbread house. I don't. I would not trust myself in front of a gingerbread house. <laughs> gingerbread is my favorite cookie. Oh, geez. Um, is it your favorite kind of dwelling too? <laughs> I would say no, just because I would not have shelter over my head. Uh, because I would eat it. Well, yeah, but if you have kind of a Mediterranean floor plan, you, a couple open walls to let some breezes come through, that could actually be nice. I think <laughs> I also have control issues, uh, so I would not be able to uh, refrain from eating the entire thing. Yeah, I, in one night. Woof. <laughs> I have a difficult time destroying stuff. Like, so the idea that oh wow, someone spent hours. Creating this architectural marvel out of candy. Yeah, I'm just going to shove it in my mouth instead of all this other candy that is not currently arranged into the shape of a, a home. Like, I'd feel like some kind of monster or terrorist smashing up some house and eating the, Fair. the bits of it. Uh, but I think you take off each little gumdrop delicately, uh, as delicately as it was placed, so that you f- are uh, disassembling more than destroying. Oh, okay. So it's just a, it's, it's more like a controlled demolition. It's an implosion, if you <laughs> exactly, will. Exactly, yeah. Imploding it into your mouth. <laughs> yes. And unlike the Silver Dome, it goes down in one <laughs> gulp. <laughs> and unlike that, uh, that uh, sports arena in Atlanta, a bus doesn't park right in front of the camera as it's happening. <laughs> a gingerbread bus. Oh. And a gingerbread camp. And that would drive right into my mouth. <laughs> Um, I would build a gingerbread bus in a gingerbread subway. <laughs> uh, how about a gingerbread Jared? I'd build a gingerbread prison <laughs> to put gingerbread Jared in. Keep all the gingerbread kids away. I, I'm I'm sorry, and I know that we're running long. I have to address this just ever so briefly. Uh, we're in this era now of the Me Too movement and powerful men being felled for their sexual indiscretions. And there is a committed group, it seems like for every one of these guys... There will be someone who comes out of the woodwork to defend them and say, ah, this is a witch hunt. Ah, innocent until proven guilty. Like, even people on Fox News will be defending, like, Kevin Spacey or whatever. So I'm just... I can't help but notice, the second, the instant reports came out that Jared Fogle was into child porn... Every single person in America believed it 100%. Not a single... We, this country was so ready to believe that he was a pervert. that It, t- it took almost nothing. Uh, he's just got one of those essences about him. Like those people that have a very specific type of face you want to punch, even if you don't know anything about them. Yeah, yeah. And I, like all I knew about him was that he loved sandwiches. And he apparently loved some other things, too. But yeah, I never 100% trusted him. And then the second... When it was just like, unconfirmed reports suggest that he's been arrested for child porn. I was like, yep, knew it. Knew it all along. It's, per- it's correct. No, there can be no doubt. 
Oh man, that jury must have been rough on him. <laughs> um, let's go back into this episode. The jury were all eating uh, Quiznos. <laughs> He, he walks in, he sees them all eating those toasted subs, like, God damn it! <laughs> Retrial. Okay, back to work. Um, yeah, well, well, no, do, do you want to, like, is now a good time to get more into, like, the case against Jill, the people versus well, Jill I just, Taylor? You know, like, it starts in this scene specifically, this, the kind of battle between the way Tim wants to do the chores and the way that Jill asks him to do the chores. And Tim's like, I got this. Uh, and she's like, I would feel more comfortable if you said, I understand the things that you've told me, or something like that. I, I, I feel more comfortable if you said, I'll do my best. Which is like, it's completely undervaluing and undermining Tim's contributions here. Uh, I actually think Tim is in the right, surprisingly, this whole episode. Um, because he's like, he's going to do it. He's not saying, oh, I won't do them. He's not saying, I'm going to shirk my responsibility or take, you know, uh, the easy way. He just wants to do it his way. And his way just happens to actually be a little more convoluted, but he gets stuff done, and it's only he's only given one day to do it. It's you know over time, over this next week of her assignment, you know he would learn a bit more. You can't expect someone to perform at peak quality day one. Okay, and you know that is a fair point that he only this got dropped in his lap well, with zero notice, and he yeah. goes from finding out he has to be the new mommy to having to wash brad and randy's football clothes in like two minutes yeah. so okay he, he doesn't have a lot of runway to work with here i i would you know yes tim approaches this task willingly yes he is supportive of his wife entering the workforce good uh at the same time if tim really wanted to be helpful he didn't have to soup up the dryer to make <laughs> it fair. spin in yes. circles right he didn't have to okay building the gingerbread house case yeah. in point uh, when they do, do we, should we jump ahead to that, or do you want to? Well, I do think we should mention in the scene. You know, yeah. one of the very first things that he does that actually uh, eases Jill's concerns is that he's uh, f- created this concoction for the washer. Yeah, which um, on uh, he has uh, three like IV tubes. Yeah. filled with uh, bleach, filled with uh, uh, detergent, detergent, and uh, fabric softener. fabric softener, and they're all on timers so that they'll release uh, during the cycle when they're supposed to. And it works. The The first thing he's built on this show that works <laughs> in two seasons. And if memory serves me, um, I think it stays throughout the series. Good. <laughs> so this thing, not only not only does it work when he first builds it, he builds it to last. Yeah. If this lasts for the next six seasons, the, the, the laundry system he MacGyvered is better built and more durable <laughs> than my iPhone. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I'm not, I'm not even completely against him trying to soup up the dryer beyond just his general incompetence or his general proclivity for more power, but. Okay. And, uh, and and all right. And I get that, but I'm also saying you've watched him fuck up 10 billion things and then he gets one thing right and you're like, yep, slate wiped clean. (laughs) He he could go either way after this. Benefit of the doubt. What can I say? I'm a, I'm a forgiving person. I I guess you are, man. I gotta, (laughs) gotta break more stuff in here. Um, I, I don't have Tim in the doghouse nearly as much as he normally is for yeah. this one. I think everybody behaves pretty well. But in this one, I don't know. I, I think that he could have he could he could have ratcheted his Timness down a little bit, but then it would be yeah. a less funny episode of Home Improvement. <laughs> Fair, yeah. And you know, like he does have enough on his plate. Why is he putting another project by amping up the dryer on his plate as well? I don't know. Um 
not his best move, but can you really blame Tim for being Tim? I, I guess I can. No, because <laughs> that is, again, what the show is about. Um, also, yeah. when he is first showing the detergent uh, apparatus to Jill, she is very skeptical about this, rightfully so, because usually these, these demonstrations do not end well. But uh, he's... It, giving her a use case for this. And he's saying, okay, so imagine you're out there watching football and you're doing the laundry. She goes, I don't like football. And he goes, okay, imagine you're watching a opera. <laughs> that was a good, good, good delivery. The way he says opera is like, it's physically painful. And I, I like that. Yeah. It's no, good it was work. good. Yeah. And he didn't scream. He did not scream. No. And the boys didn't run into scream. And I won't scream like I usually do and scare all of our listeners. Good. I, I I pitch it down. It's my I, New Year's resolution is to is to not do things to scare away our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good, man. If only we'd started that like as soon as we started the podcast, we would have less <laughs> of a deficit to make up. Um, but this takes us to Tool Time After Hours. I usually say Tool Time Nights here. It wasn't nighttime though. I don't think Tool Time Afternoons. <laughs> so really, it was more like Tool Time Before Hours. Yeah, Tool Time Before Hours. <laughs> or actually, if we're doing opposites, wouldn't it be Tool Time Before Hours? <laughs> Pre-dark. <laughs> cool. Good bit, guys. All right. Uh, well, this, yeah. So yeah. they are they are on set. They're talking about what their next segment is going to be. This little segment here is, doesn't seem to have anything to do with the episode. It's in, <laughs> no, it's, it doesn't. It's a little perfect capsule. Uh, but we get Maureen Binford. Uh, she has returned from her long stint on the road selling Binford wares. With a with a long beard and a stick and a bindle <laughs> and uh, bumper stickers all over her suitcase. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, she looks I good. was not paying attention to this scene one iota, uh, except that, you know, her entrance, because I was writing down the insane amount of Binford items that have suddenly appeared on the set. Oh, well, enlighten me, because I was just, I was paying attention to the scene like a doof. Okay, well, there was the Binford drill press, the Binford oil drum, the Binford vice, the Binford work desk, the Binford standing tool chest, the Binford organizer, the Binford wall calendar, the Binford nail gun, the <laughs> Binford uh, motor of some sort that was uh, on the work desk. I don't... That's not good branding, the Binford motor of some sort. People did not know what to do with that one when they saw it at Home Depot. Uh, it just looks like someone got a bunch of Binford stickers and graffitied the whole set. The, the the prop master and set designer had a wonderful day. Uh, I think the, you mentioned the Binford Vice, which uh, yet another idea for a spinoff of this show. That's that's Randy and Al solving crimes uh, with uh, Rachel Vice. <laughs> <laughs> but in this scene, Al is acting a lot more like Tim's work wife as usual because uh, you know um, why, why, why didn't you explain that? Because I wasn't paying attention. No, no, yeah, well, you got you got the main beat of the scene. <laughs> Uh, well, it's so they've been doing a lot of stuff about sheetrock on the show recently. <clears throat> Tim is like, "Hell yeah, let's do more sheetrock," and Al is like, "No, we've been doing that a lot." And Maureen wants to do something else, mm. and Tim is saying, "Ah, Al, you're such a you're such a weak willed pussy. You're doing the thing that the woman who's in charge of the show signing our paychecks yeah. wants us to do. You should be obstinate like me." Though I have to point out, um, as I was paying attention to the set direction and or, uh, design and everything. Um, I did happen to notice Maureen's costume. Uh, she's wearing like a plaid skirt. She happens to be wearing a flannel skirt that oh. somewhat matches Elle's uh, Elle's tops. I didn't even see that. She for how hard she's flirting with Al, it's kind of a surprise they haven't gotten together by now. Or haven't they? Ooh, she's come over and seen his hammock, <laughs> watched his videos. They've 
square dance together. <laughs> um, but that could be why he's more on her side. Yeah, uh, I could I could see that she seduced him, and then uh, then her next target is. I don't know, domination, I suppose. Maybe <laughs> she's the real spy. Maybe. Well, I think there's something to that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so this whole scene basically just seems to be there to remind everyone that uh, Maureen exists. She has her own ideas for what the show should be, and Tim doesn't like her. In fact, yeah. now, Tim's interactions with her are pretty much identical to his interactions with Karen, where he seems <laughs> right. just visibly furious that she is present in his company and and can only insult her with every line and she somehow just laughs it off but there's a certain uh camaraderie when he does it with karen i feel like i mean because she throws yeah. it back in his face yeah maureen is a little more passive uh, with her aggression <laughs> did you invent that term i, mean, That's really I might good. call it passive aggressiveness Passive, okay, passive aggressiveness. Mm. The character from Earthbound getting just really, <laughs> really immature with how he deals with his problems. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, like you said, with Karen, it's part of their relationship and they've got this this sparring. But with Maureen, she is Tim's boss. Yeah. She is in charge and Tim is constantly mouthing off to her and she doesn't seem to... Like, it, it doesn't seem to phase her in the slightest that he's doing this. Right. And it's kind of tough to get a read on what her character is. Because if she is really... If she's we're such a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Like, if we're supposed to buy her as this bossy force, why is she not then, you know, working harder to get her, her right. stuff put into action? Well, and I, I'm also a little confused. If she is now the boss and the producer, does that mean Tim is no longer the producer and doesn't have a say? Or what? what's going on with these uh, the politics here? Yeah, what is Tim's position? And <laughs> host. <laughs> and, well, I guess. And, and also, I gotta say, once again, I'm kind of on Maureen's side. Because if you're running a TV show, you've done the last several episodes about sheetrock, it's not really out of out of the question to say, hey, what if we tell people about different things on our educational show? Maureen wants the show to use more clever household hints, like what they were doing with the potatoes and the the electric razor. And I don't think, again, why is it so bad to think that maybe we'll give people helpful hints that... Helpful tints, so you so so when the sun just, shines through, <laughs> you get an invisible message on your dashboard. So people, you know, it, uh, helpful tints, so that when you're looking out your window, people can't see you looking out at them. Uh, <laughs> but no, these helpful hints seem like they're actually helpful yeah. because I learned a lot. I actually learned something from Tool Time for the first time ever about that trick with the electric razor. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I agree with you, and it's it's weird. It's one of these things where it's purely in how the character is written uh and maybe played or mm-hmm. you know directed for her, her to play it that way uh where it's like on if it wasn't through tim's perspective she would be a perfectly fine character but yeah. because it's you know coming from a male-centric uh perspective she's coming off as naggish yeah and it's a little frustrating because i feel like this is not going to be the show where late in the season Tim has this big revelation where he realizes she's been right all along and he needs to relinquish control. And yeah. she's going to continue to be cast as the bad guy simply by virtue of not being Tim and having ideas. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so so two thumbs down, way down. Yeah, I, that's only got to be setting up a scene for or another episode later in the season. Um, the, we'll find out. This is setting up the episode where, where, it, where Mr. Binford comes back and ultimately decides <laughs> to fire Maureen, rather Tim, because Tim gives him an ultimatum. That's... 
that's yeah. what I'm predicting is going to happen. <laughs> All right. It is written in stone. <laughs> yes, it is. It is known. Um, and one other thing, the, the segment that Maureen wants them to do an Al centric scene is called yeah. Al's bachelor corner. So <laughs> Maureen, like you has a very corner oriented, uh, <laughs> approach towards segments on her show. I mean, if you're going to do a segment, the corner is the best, uh, arrangement that you can come up with. Everybody puts segments in a corner. <laughs> Um, but this scene gives way to a transition uh, via time code on a television in the corner um, and takes us into the backyard where we find Wilson. Yes, Wilson pouring some molasses for uh, Tim for use. <laughs> always, always prepared for a molasses emergency, Tim. <laughs> well, and but on that is probably the most normal thing that Wilson has had. I can see an eccentric Midwestern retiree having yeah. a shitload of molasses in his house. <laughs> but being God, I'm sure he walked into his house planted a seed, grew it instantly, <laughs> drained it of the sap, and then brought it back out. Yeah, I think he just I think he just turned water into molasses. <laughs> oh, that would be a lot more efficient. It, it? Is, it is a much slower miracle, <laughs> though. <laughs> but Tim, uh, when he starts talking about Galileo uh, and the Earth revolving around the sun, he's you know going into this whole spiel about you know uh, the way things are and you know yeah. the nature of uh, relationships and stuff like that, and. Uh, Tim gets confused about the Earth rotating around the sun, which, given given also, that's not a surprise to me that that Tim would be a whatever. I just wondered whether or not he was a flat earther now, <laughs> if he would be in 2018. I could see 2018 Tim Taylor having some serious doubts about vaccines and some serious <laughs> uh, doubts about the shape of the Earth. <laughs> but I also could see Tim. Like, if he was a flat earther, building some kind of scientific contraption to try and figure out, like, to try and prove that the Earth was flat. Yeah. Like, even building a rocket ship and going to space himself. <laughs> uh, and then he finds out that the Earth really isn't flat or round. It's merely a transition, and that it's just surrounded by the black void. <laughs> oh, my God. And 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 in space, no one, no one can hear you talk after the opening credits. <laughs> they can just hear... That's what space noise is. is yeah, that's that's why Star Wars is so unrealistic because you can hear all the blasters going off in the explosions. It's really the whole time they're blowing up the Death Star. It just sounds like that's that's the the force. Is that. <laughs> that's, I like it. Um, but uh, this backyard, uh, he goes from the backyard. He goes into the kitchen where he's trying to build this gingerbread house. You have something else there? Well, no, it's just the screen kind of compresses, flies into the house. And drops into a container full of molasses and makes a bloop noise. <laughs> the transition bloop. people are really big on dropping scenes into carefully placed liquids in the next <laughs> Was scene. there a little droplet that jumped out of it and onto the counter? I did not notice it, but I also looked away because I didn't want my face to melt. <laughs> Fair. Um, but the, the kids are giving Tim a lot of shit about the way he's building this gingerbread house. Rightfully so, because <laughs> I don't think Tim knows what a gingerbread house is. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Uh, he's going to use caulk for the icing. Um, he has <laughs> to put the molasses inside of a uh, paint thinner, um, not paint thinner, or a, a paint, paint tray, a paint tray um, that won't fit into the oven. So he tilts it sideways and the the paint tray itself is already on a diagonal, so all of the molasses kind of seeps uh, into one corner of it. Yeah. You're not going to build a a flat wall with that thing, buddy. And and also he you said the boys are saying like, oh, are you sure you cleaned this paint tray before you poured the molasses into it? And he says, yeah, I cleaned it out with turpentine. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> but that's a, that's a joke that I think Tim could be making, knowing that it's a you know just kind of like winding his kids up a little bit. Yes, I could see that if he hadn't made a bowl of caulk <laughs> instead of you know sugary <laughs> delicious frosting. Yeah, I I, just, I really think he he doesn't seem to get that the central conceit of a gingerbread house is that it's food. Yeah, that's fair. Um, there is one thing that kind of occurs uh, in the scene with Randy. Um, further, I mean, this season, I feel like a lot of our fan theories, uh, on this show have kind of taken a backseat, but the one that has stand, uh, stood proud. Yes. <laughs> Standed is almost what I said. Standed and delivered. <laughs> uh. Doing some math. Is that Randy is genuinely psychopathic. Yep. Yep. He says, uh, in regards to the cock, uh, that they're about to put on the house, that uh, I think it was Brad or Mark that said, uh, you won't be able to sell that if you use caulk for the the icing. Mm-hmm. And Randy goes, I don't care if somebody dies uh, if they eat the house as long as they buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's either a serial killer or he's one of the guys, or he could be just the head of like Nabisco or some, <laughs> some candy company where it grows up to be the head of Monsanto. Yeah. That is exactly it. He's the guy determining how much pesticide they can legally put in your food. Uh, yeah, I, I think that in season one, we really needed to gin up a lot of fan theories because there was so much kind of so many of these. The characters weren't as strong and they're yeah. still figuring out who people were and we had to kind of provide the context. And now the show is figuring out who they are and is doubling down on some of these character things. And in some cases, their fan theories seem to be our fan theories. <laughs> uh or the other way around, because they came up with it. I guess yeah, I, should, right. I shouldn't imply that they are taking inspiration from us. <laughs> no, but uh, you can imply that we are correct. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I will do that. Um, the other thing, so things start getting a little bit out of hand in the scene. Uh, the kids start fighting. Uh, Brad knocks over one of the walls that they had set up at the gingerbread house. Mark goes insane. Yeah, Mark. Gets real aggressive. He, like... His, that 10 inches he grew <laughs> uh, really, like, was all puberty. Yeah, it was t- 10 inches of pure rage. <laughs> pure aggression. He attacks Brad. He, like, tackles Brad. I mean, Brad takes him down real fast. He but does, he does not let that deter him. He doesn't tackle Brad. He just jumps at Brad and throws his arms around him. And Brad just basically carries him halfway across the room. <laughs> and then they fall on the ground. Uh, this- I'm going to tell you, if you get into a fight, try doing that against the person you're fighting <laughs> against. They will walk away. <laughs> But yeah, but you're holding on to them, so you're going to go wherever they exactly. go. Exactly. This, this, I mean, this fight choreography is not as good as the as the the <laughs> battle between Randy and Brad a few episodes ago. That, True. That reached Ip Man levels. <laughs> this was just this is just some really poor roughhousing. Yeah. Also, also to take further issue with Mark's rage, like all that Brad knocked over, there were like two gingerbread walls standing up and he knocked one over. It's not yeah. like they built the whole thing in yeah, class. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like a house of cards. Yeah, like it's, so really, if you wanted to create the image of, oh, they fucked up and, and all is lost, get the props department to build an actual gingerbread house yeah. and smash it. Crumble it or something, yeah. I won't smash a gingerbread house myself, but I, <laughs> I, I actually love watching them get smashed by other people. It's really like a dark thing. Oh, like man. I haven't fully explored what that means to After me. After this episode, I'm going to eat a house in front of you. Just a house. <laughs> Just a house. Oh, real, I'm going to... George really... Foreman? <laughs> okay, are you going to have... Start with the stairs. Yeah, appetizer. <laughs> What's the second course? 
Uh, the drywall. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> because if I eat the drywall first, I won't need to find the use the fud, stud finder. Fud, no. fud steiner is what I was going to go with. Yeah, you can just find the studs with your eyes. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think, sir, you're really going to enjoy the drywall prepared for you today. We've got a light stucco glaze <laughs> over the studs. It's really it. delicious. The chef sent it out special. Um, By and chef, I mean architect. I don't know if you noticed this when they were fighting. Um, we get a little, uh, little glimpse of Seanzilla. I did not notice Seanzilla. Seanzilla's sitting uh, um, by the fireplace. He just thought this whole fight was inconceivable. <laughs> inconceivable. Oh, no, that was... That was Sylvester, <laughs> but I like it, though. I, I had mean... a little too much spit in my mouth when I did that. Eh, man, it's it's tough. The good. I'm not even attempting a Wallace Shawn impression. <laughs> uh, a little too much spit in my mouth is also my grinder description. <laughs> you, is it, do you have a different phone for each grinder account? Like... Are you hiding your grinder? It's all, it's all one account. It's just a description. You answer different questions, maybe. Hi, I'm Landon. This is my account. Here are some other options that I had for names. P.S. Not actually gay. So if you know any nice girls, please let me know. Um, and uh, the the molasses that Tim has put into the oven starts to smoke. In uh, true, I love. Am I right? Am I right, guys? Ooh, Pamela uh, Anderson. Am I right? Legalize it. It is. Okay. Um, it's <laughs> done and done. <laughs> Start smoking in a true I Love Lo- uh, Lucy moment right yeah. when Jill comes home. Yep. Uh, and she is completely dismayed uh, seeing that the house and Tim's responsibilities and his attempts have um, blown up in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she is needed at home because uh, no one can go on without her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they, she and Tim kind of start fighting about how... You know, Tim, this is all happening because you just couldn't follow my directions. You don't want me to work outside the home, and you're trying to undermine me by by sabotaging this. Yeah. Uh, Tim is saying, "Oh well, well, okay, sure, I did most of the things on here wrong, but at least you know, remember the washing machine and the dryer; those are great." And then, as if on cue, Randy goes, "Dad, look what the dryer is doing." <laughs> yeah, because Randy has run off into the garage to grab something, and uh, what gun? They hide something. Hide something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hide it in plain sight. Maybe uh, you know. yeah, a little purloined letter stuff <laughs> you think that's lint in the dryer trap it's actually the ashes of his cremated remains <laughs> well you got to clean those ashes out of the lint trap or else the house is going to catch fire and then you got double ashes yeah exactly um and so anyhow they they go into the garage where randy has uh somehow put himself on top of the dryer uh in the center of the garage it has detached itself and is rotating around in circles uh all from this motor that tim has uh, put onto the dryer yeah yeah the the motor that he's installed inside the tumble dryer that is somehow instead making the dryer itself spin around it made no sense it, it didn't but a good gag it looked nice on camera <laughs> so they tim and joel rush in and figure out a way to to unplug the dryer and they have the and their fight just kind of continues in here yep. where jill is saying this seems like a sign that i shouldn't go work yeah and tim is saying but but i thought you wanted a job she says i do want a job but i also don't want the house to fall apart but the point that Tim winds up making and how Tim kind of resolves the fight is he says, okay, yeah, the whole house is destroyed, everything's a mess, and, you know, I forgot the boys' lunches and everything else, but the house, I'm always destroying the house and making a mess when you're here anyway, so that's just the same as usual. <laughs> and, right. yeah, you know, and, and look, at the end of the day, the boys got to school on time, they came home on time, and they were safe. So that's really okay. And yeah. you, you might just have, if you want to have a job, you might have to get used to me doing things my way. And I am, I as I said, I'm still on Tim's side here. Because he doesn't yeah. even say it that emphatically. He's yeah. just like, this is, you know, this is the way it is. He's yeah. not draw, crossing lines in the sand. He's not, you know, or drawing lines in the sand. He's just saying, like, you got you to gotta relinquish a little bit. 
And and I think no, I I agree. I think this is one of Tim's better moments. Just the way that he that he kind of reminds her what it's all about. Like yeah, it's you've got your system with the sponges or when you make which kids lunch and you don't yeah. like them to buy unhealthy school food. But at the end of the day, the kids are safe and they're fed and yeah. they're loved. And I you know I can keep them safe. I'm just not going to keep them safe the way you want me to. <laughs> and I'm probably not going to keep them as safe because I have lots of dangerous electrical equipment and <laughs> machinery souped up around the house. Right, but he also has nine one one on speed dial, so. Yeah, but shouldn't most people? Yeah. <laughs> also, it's three numbers. Do you need it on speed dial? Like, uh, fair. You really just have to touch two numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, back in the day, uh, different phones. You didn't have. I don't know. Everybody take nine one one off speed dial. It's a waste of time. <laughs> Put poison control in there instead. Oh man. Um. But the, I feel like it, this just took a really strange turn. Jill kind of accepts all of this a little too quickly for me. Mm. Uh, just in kind of the Deus Ex Machina of ending the episode. At least they didn't have sex. <laughs> True. Yeah. That's uh, that band aid solution. The has. do it ex Machina. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Um, but that takes us, uh, to the, what I'm assuming is the next day, uh, they have built the gingerbread house, um, the gingerbread, like, like mechanic shop or whatever. Yeah, the truck station, um, Tim has, apparently they, they went with Tim's design, uh, cause it's lopsided. I mean, yes. it looks really well constructed. I know, just, as, yeah, aside from the poor foundation. Because he built it in that off <laughs> kilter paint pan. That would be it. <laughs> um, but uh, it looks great. And then we end with a uh, shrunk sweater joke, and that kind of broke my heart a little bit. It felt way too cheap. Like, yeah. even in 1992... I'm pretty sure that joke was on I Love Lucy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, you know, he's he's made the gingerbread house, and there's this whole thing about, ah, you know, yeah, it'll be great for the sale, but no one's going to pay 156 bucks for it or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know why Tim wants to charge that, but then... Jill is saying, hey, where's my blue sweater? And Tim kind of makes a face. And then Mark goes, oh, it's in the dryer. And she goes and opens it. And the camera takes, like, the show takes so long to reveal the punchline <laughs> here, which we all know is a tiny sweater. Yeah. And also, Tim's tumble dry motor, that didn't shrink the sweater. That's just a thing that happens to sweaters in the dryer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't give it more heat. He gave it more tumbling. <laughs> uh, but maybe he didn't know he shouldn't have put it in there. Uh, maybe that. Okay. Well... It's a bad joke, regardless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then for our outtakes, we get one of Jill um, forgetting Mark's name. Which really, which for me, it was like, see, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> Do you have anything else for this episode? The only thing I have is the grunt count. Oh, yeah. What's the grunt count this the week? The grunt count is 30. Whoa! It's a big grunty episode. That is our second highest? It's, it's... Or I third? I believe it's the second highest at the moment. I'll need to wow. check my notes. I feel yeah. like we might have had a 32 earlier this yeah, season. Yeah, but there was. There was a 32 or 33. And then the 55 or last season. So. Yeah. So, no, again, I mean, per my thoughts about the grunt creep upwards, uh, the grunt creep. That, <laughs> the grunt creep. I, I hereby dub the Home Improvement logo the grunt creep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grunt creep. I'm a grunt weirdo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's, no, that's canon. That's like the Hamburglar and the Grunt Creep. They, uh, they roll together. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a big grunty episode. Yeah, uh, that number actually surprises me, because we don't get our first grunt until, like, seven minutes into the episode. There's a, just a lot of big clusters of them. Yeah, there and, are. And, and, yeah, and he's making it hard for him. He's doing a lot of... Yeah. That's true. And he did have a, a cluster of ten, which was, uh, quite a, quite a lot. Yeah, no, we had to do some counting. Both hands. <laughs> 
well, okay, then uh, with that, the show notes for this episode will be posted on our website, which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. <laughs> if you enjoyed this week's episode, share it wherever you can. Uh, it helps uh, people find us on all the, the places where they can find us. Um, plus, you got to remember that every time you share us, We'll pay you $156 for your crappy, totally inedible gingerbread house. Is that coming out of your pocket? No, it's coming out of yours. <laughs> a bitch. Hey, man, you let me write these things. I get, to, <laughs> I get to make whatever promises I want. Oh, man. I get to do the intro on the next episode. So, uh, <laughs> On our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter in order to get notifications whenever a new episode is available. Um, and you can also follow us on the various social media places. Twitter, Facebook are really the primary ones. Instagram a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which is at GruntWorkPod. And with that, I've been Landon Solano. And I've been Truman Caps. And this has been Grunt Work. Did we do it? I think we actually, we did, we successfully concluded our podcast. Oh my god. New year, new podcast. Podcast over. <laughs>